good evening dear listener and for volume four episode six of weekend at crombies tonight we'll be discussing the film speechless Here we are. It's June, episode six, volume four. Speechless is the film. Uh, But before we get into the film, first of all, my name is James Evans Esquire. And I didn't realise you had a copyright on a ditch. And I am Hugh, jumping from topic to topic like some slap happy rabbit. (laughs) Very good. Yes. And um, if you... um, if you have been listening to the Weekend at Crombies recently, you will know that um, this is Hugh's choice. It's speechless. Michael Keaton and Gina Davis. So shall we just crack on? I think we can. We should probably comment that this is a very special episode of Weekend at Crombies because it was very, very difficult to locate speechless. Oh, it was. I thought, I thought th- I'd missed some anniversary then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is our, our 42th, 42nd episode. 42th? 42th. It's our 42th episode. <laughs> I suppose, you know, if you episode, are, minus it's bonus speechless, episodes. not toothless. <laughs> it's 42 episodes minus bonus ones and Christmas specials. So it's like our 46th or yeah. something. Ex- excluding Weekend at Crombies to The Legend of Crombies Gold as well. Indeed. And, yeah, but um, not, notwithstanding, Speechless, 1990. I'm oh, sorry, it's for special because this is a very hard film to get hold of. It um, it's a very hard film to get hold of. You can't stream it. You can't. It, so, yeah, we, we managed to dig up some VHS copies somewhere. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and even that almost didn't arrive. So, yeah. uh Think, you know, dear listener, think yourself lucky that you we are were, going to be regaled to about a film that literally almost no one has seen or cares about. Yeah, and will not be able to watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so buckling, because this is as close as you'll get to experiencing I, I think, Speechless. I think there was a DVD available on Amazon for like £40. And, um, I mean, we'll get on to what we think of the film, but I wouldn't spend £40 on it. Yeah, or on any film. It'd be, it's a rare yeah, film. That's a so fair I point. need to spend £40 on this experience. <laughs> Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, but not yeah, we were we were clo- we were as close as we've ever come to going to our backup films, and in four mm. years we've never had to do that. We've always had to deliver on what we say we'll watch. And now, are you allowed to say what the backup film would have been? Uh, no. Okay, you're going to say <laughs> you'll that, never aren't you? know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I will say I'm glad we got, got to watch Speechless. Though we'll uh, we'll yeah. we'll dig into it, but let's dig into it. So yeah, the the plot it. of this, it's 1994, and uh, there's a senatorial um, election in New Mexico. Pretty um, good knowledge. You're good at this. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that. <laughs> I mean, the plot of the film. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, so Gina Davis is Julia Mann, who's a speechwriter for the um, Democratic candidate, and uh, Michael Keaton is Kevin Valick, who's just arrived as the the speechwriter been brought in to beef up the day the Republican candidate. Just and this add as well, yeah. Kevin Valick, who throughout the film, uh, the good lady here indoors. Um, thought it was Kevin Fallick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a film that Emma watched with me as well. So there wow, we go. Of course, yeah. for celebration. I imagine actually, given how hard it was to locate, it would be like a hen's egg. You just have to watch it. You probably called her and said, it. "You'll." It's like a solar eclipse. It's like just yeah. watch it. It's just. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's good or not. You'll never see it again. <laughs> well, it was actually the. Uh, it was the. It was the fact that it was a romantic comedy. That's as easy as it takes to get a, watch a film. It was a. Ro- it was a rom com. So she was like, "Oh, I'll watch that." And it was a curate's egg. There we go. The curate's egg. Well, anyway, so um, 
two speechwriters, Kevin and Julia, on opposite sides. Um, and they're in this this hotel. There's lots of hustle and bustle of campaign. There's journalists around. There's, there's other people in the campaign. There's basically just busyness. Um, and we don't normally discuss the, the titles, if I can help it, but we'll say the the least impressive titles of two CGI balloons floated yeah, over. what was that event. about? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, I think it's meant to be like the campaign balloons, but like to be yeah, like, it's really rubbish balloons, yeah. and not many of them floated well, above a sign that said speechless. But also CGI. Why not just get some balloons? No, it was, they were fooling no one with that balloon. And like, yeah, it's like, it's not like you're doing a dinosaur. It's like you can get a balloon. <laughs> yeah, balloons exist. This was 94. That was well. really hard CGI to do. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like now it's like the CGI. It's like, I need a balloon. Okay, it'll be six months. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, absolutely. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, I'd imagine balloons are one of the hardest things, the hardest things to CGI because of the spherical nature of them. And they probably had like a room full of computers whirring around these magnetic discs. Yeah. Yeah. This was balloon. Industrial Light and Magic's first product. <laughs> 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 they probably want a room full of balloons. Like we can do you two. Look, it's hard. <laughs> so we got we got yeah. them working double shifts. We can yeah. give you two balloons. Yeah, it was underwhelming. Yeah, but nonetheless, after the underwhelming balloons, um, we go straight to our speechwriters, and almost the first thing we learn about them is they're both insomniac. They um mm. they're they're lying around um just trying to fight off sleep or getting distracted, or whatever. And then they they go down to the the hotel's drugstore and both basically have a bit of a fight over the last bottle of Nyquil to get. Can them I to just sleep. tell you why they're insomniacs? Because they sleep with a the windows the window blinds um not not shut they sleep with the lights on all the time and they're always watching TV. That is true. These are not good things for getting to sleep. Actually, no. I, I will I will touch on this. Is uh this is more of a, a thematic thing? But uh there's a there was a, a quote I heard about how um the difference between men and women are lit in movies. There's like a whole mm-hmm. sort of the sexism trope there, saying men are lit for drama and women are lit for beauty. And these two characters who are in the same hotel room at the same time of night, mm. um, Michael Keaton's is yeah. kind of shot in very sharp relief. He's like one dark, one light. And Gina Davis looks like Morticia Adams. She's got this glow <laughs> over her eyes. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and also her room is really warm and, and inviting, isn't it? It was Michael Keaton's in a room that just, it just looks, I don't know, it's like it's got no windows and very, he's just wearing pants. <laughs> it's grim. Yeah. Anyway, so they're not sleeping for various reasons because um, they're not trying to get to sleep. But they wake up. They, uh, they, uh, I think they're kind of buzzing from the speeches or the work they have to do. So they, they get into a, a bit of a friendly uh, struggle over the last bottle of Nyquil, mm-hmm. which they agree to, to divide. And they still can't get to sleep. So they, uh, they, they basically decide to hang out in the diner. They have a bit of pie. Then they, uh, they get chatting. Um, well, the, 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 um, in the, in the pharmacy, that they're, they're both trying to persuade the other that they need the, um, the pills more by saying things like well you know my my grandmother has just had liposuction and so therefore she needs the pills and then you know she's like well my son who, who you know he's, he's he won't sleep except but obviously they don't have any of these things that's you know yeah. it's part, it's part of that repartee i suppose yeah. and they both kind of know that they're lying to each other they're yeah. also having fun with how elaborate yeah. the, the lies can get to each other so i, I think and it's been a long time since this has happened to me but i think it's called flirting uh, is that what it is? <laughs> you think so? I think so. I don't think it's ever happened to me, in fact. But no, uh, I would, I would just snatch the Nyquil out of her hands and run for it. And, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Had a good yeah. night's sleep in my lonely life. <laughs> lonely but happy. Lonely but fast asleep. Yeah. Good eight hours. <laughs> but um, so, but anyway, they they meet up afterwards. Um, still not having it to sleep, and decide to go for like a midnight drive to to find some uh, breakfast burritos. Um, Kevin, Kevin, um, Valix rather fancy car it is i have no idea what car it is other than it's a fancy one yeah i mean and we're not talking we're not talking modern fancy it's a vintage it's a vintage yeah that's right 
he throws a vintage car, which actually again breaks down. And uh, Julia, displaying some mechanic skills, kind of lifts the lid and, and tries to sort it out. Whereupon they realise they've run out of fuel, so they have to hitch a ride back home and sort it all out. Uh, so dawn is breaking when they arrive after their uh, night under the stars. Um, at which point they basically just leap at each other and, and get down to business. Um, yeah, and I think Ke- Kevin Kevin has been um, kind of pushing for this, hasn't he? You know, he's, 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 he's seen he's the got his eye on yeah. He's felt the flirting and gone. This is a, this is there's an opportunity here. So he's yeah. uh, he's saying, you know, we're already a couple, aren't we? Basically, which I think is a bit creepy, given that they're basically driving in the um, the New Mexico desert in the middle of the night and michael keaton's hitting on gina davis oh, i think she but she was doing all the driving i noticed that it's like it's his car but she's like she's driving it so kind of i think that would give some more security that you know she's not being taken to his you know handy ditch well that's true <laughs> that's true um but again she she is responding to the flirting like even when he's he's coming on a bit strong she kind of you know shoes his hand away but then gives a little smile to herself she's, so it's all she's it's all giving as good, good as she gets indeed and she's the one that was that start initiates the uh the car shagging on uh with him. Gosh, <laughs> car shagging God. there's no other way of putting it the Cars, they, they, cars bumping up and down. There's an amusing thing where they, where they get the handbrake out of the way because it's interfering with the with them getting together, and then it starts going backwards down the hill. It was upon um, she goes, goes, Kevin, we're rolling. Oh yeah, we are. No, we're rolling. <laughs> Put the clutch it's, on. Tell me where I, I find the clutch. This is at about eight thirty in the morning, and everyone's going to work, and they're in broad daylight. Just yeah. in the car. I mean, in the as, car park of the hotel. When they, when, they, yeah, no, when they are immediately discovered um, yes. before anything can happen by her boss, um, played by Ernie Hudson. Um, yeah. Which Indeed. I will say is gives one of the funniest moments in the film when um, yeah, when Kevin is introducing himself because he's like, and this is my friend Kevin. Kevin kind of does a kind of hand handshake straight out, but his hand is currently underneath Julia's dress. So there's this big tearing noise yeah. as his hand just appears. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but yeah, so actually we should mention yeah, she introduced himself as my friend Kevin who writes sitcoms, which actually was his previous job, and that's how he introduced yeah. himself to her. And he thought she saw a, he saw a press pass on her um, bag, so he goes, "Oh, you're a journalist? Oh, yes, I am." Um, yeah. So they, he thinks she's a journalist, and yeah. she thinks he's a sitcom writer. But obviously, they, we know we know differently. And they and they see the election on the news, and kind of have a quick um, discussion about it, and immediately realise they're on different sides of the fence. Yeah. Um, and then decide, well, let's just talk about politics and get on with each other. Which you can only imagine dates this as an early nineties. <laughs> yeah, because you can't do that now, can you? Now it was like, oh, you're probably like, okay, well, bye, never see <laughs> yeah. again. I'm moving hotels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but notwithstanding, yeah. So they um. They they agree to meet up again because they you know they, they're quite taken with each other. Um, but then they have to actually do their jobs, and their their jobs are to get their candidates elected. Um, and uh, the, the, again, the, the big push they want to make now is talking about this this ditch in New Mexico, which it's very prescient, um, isn't it? Oh God, yeah. There was a, a large dividing obstacle between Mexico and America yeah. that someone's put up to keep out um, immigration. Now, who can imagine that would happen? <laughs> um, I'd imagine a ditch is a lot easier to traverse than a wall though yeah well again a wall's not that hard to traverse either is it you know if you if you if you have access to a ladder (laughs) yeah i suppose yeah Yeah. but yeah but uh, ditch or wall again it's it's, it falls along the the democratic republican lines so um julie has the idea to to attack attack the wall on the um and say it's sorry attack the ditch it's a terrible thing and then kevin um because he's just arrived kind of makes his impression saying well let's turn it around let's call it the freedom ditch or the friendship oh the friendship friendship between two countries that enable them to be to have security i don't think that works (laughs) <laughs> no. really the friendship ditch but it is better than the the, uh, um, the republic the democrats thing who called it the american wall because he tried to sign it like the berlin wall and that's even worse <laughs> that is worse yeah, that's not gonna is. stick the friendship no, ditch needs to stick um but yeah the uh so um they they get these going and in fact the uh, the uh 
it's the Republican who calls it the friendship ditch who wins that news cycle. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Kevin's a genius. And Judy's like, oh, no, we're getting uh, we're getting beaten in this. Um, but what they don't realize is they're both getting beaten in the news cycle by a, a bear cub who's lost in a hole um, that everyone is watching. So they're all kind of crowd around the t- television saying, what's going to happen with the news? Who are we going to get reported? Yeah. The, yeah. You know, the bear comes on. It's like, ah. So, um, <laughs> so that's that's the first round of, of news. Actually, it is interesting, again, as they... We see the the um, Kevin and Julia kind of frantically writing out their speeches, and then they get interpreted into the the mouths of these candidates, um, who yeah. don't always they, do a great. Job they don't of always them. do it. No, no. They they slightly interpret the words in their own ways, don't they? And mainly not for the better. It's like actions speak louder than words. Anyone can speak words. Acting actions is what counts. <laughs> <laughs> So there's there's all this, but then um, again they they manage to bump each other and set up a date to to see each other late that night. But before they can do that, um, yeah. Kevin is told you've got to go to the local school and speak on a careers yeah. day about you know careers in politics. Which leads so, us into probably one of the highlights of the film, I think. Absolutely, yes. The the he, he comes on the stage and uh, the teacher goes, and this is Kevin Vanek, who is the Democratic the Republican speechwriter, and here's his opposite member, the Democratic speechwriter, and there she is, Julia Mann. Yeah. So there's close-ups on both of them as they realise what. <laughs> <laughs> and and Julia Mann is already already fuming because she thinks her her work on the the ditch has been stolen by the Republican team, um, so she's not happy anyway. And now they realise, oh, did she, did he just because they were talking about the ditch as they met, just in a casual thing? So she thinks her idea has been stolen. Um, so as they sit down, silently fuming with each other, you know, the kids are asking them innocent questions. And you're right, it starts off. Actually, it starts off pretty strongly. But it's like yeah, it does, the, does. the kid goes, I, my, my daddy tells me everyone in politics is a liar. And Judy goes, no, not everyone in politics is a liar. They have like, good hearts. And then they become liars. <laughs> and it, and it, and it goes, so it goes on yeah. a level where they basically just, in, in broad terms, snipe at each other. And then, again, it gets very, very funny when they, they, are, they, um, they just start speaking out the corner of their mouths yeah. to each other. Judy Davis is like, beam, she's beaming at the crowd and then just going, pedal your shit elsewhere, scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the, the teacher like hears it and the, the kids are like what did they just uh, say yeah what's going on here <laughs> yeah and they're, they're just getting more and more petted to that and uh yeah and um to which yeah uh, gene davis delivers what might be the best line in the movie when she just snarls at um at michael keaton saying bouncing from tree to tree like some fuck happy yeah. rabbit <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great yeah we, we uh, that that had me laughing out loud that was a great scene so they, they kind of you know, they, they burst out, um, still sniping away. Um, it's like, you started it, no, you started it. We're not in grade school. Actually, we are. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, they basically agree to go their separate ways. And they actually they kind of declared war on each other, which is shown in the next montage of the, um, the candidates basically sniping at each other through the medium of, of, the, of the trip. So Kevin is pinging insults over at Julia through his candidate and Julia's doing yeah. likewise. There. So yeah. You have these two candidates. Um, yeah, this. They're pawns, aren't they? They're they pawns are. in their game. Yeah. Which was which was quite funny. And then they, they yeah. kind of, they call a truce as things um, start to get a bit heated. And they basically decide, yeah, let's, let's be professional about this after a bit more sniping. Um, but then Julia loses her filofax, which is up in <laughs> Kevin's hand. Yeah. Um, Although I did and, notice she loses it. Is it like a, a hot air balloon? Rally, yes, yes. Which is weird to start with, but then um, she she drives off, and uh, her her kind of her notes are on the back of her car, and they fall onto the ground, and then <laughs> Michael Keaton is just standing there going, Julian, <laughs> really quietly, like he's, she's not going to hear you. No. She's driven off. 
Also, <laughs> there's quite another funny there. scene then afterwards where he's desperately trying not to look at the notes. Yeah, we will say there's something else that dates, dates this as, as mid nineties. Is yeah, her, her notes are oh, basically yeah. a foot thick notepad yeah. filled with bits of paper with an elastic band wrapped around yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and he, he's like he's playing with the elastic band, picking it away, and then he's like he bounces on the bed, hoping he'll dislodge the pages open. He'll just happen to look inside, <laughs> so he's trying to be as innocent as possible. But uh, he 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 gets the notes, and what he finds is the um, I can only assume uh, a code for a teleprompter um, that the yeah. candidate's speaking, which again again in a very primitive uh, way he managed to dial in and change the change the notes, and he manages to get the uh, the candidate to recite the the lyrics to "Someone's in the Kitchen with Dinah," <laughs> which which I think is unforgivable. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, you, you, I mean, there will be spoiler alerts in, in this yeah. synopsis, yeah. but that's pretty unforgivable. It's pretty Isn't bad. it? Well, that's I don't pretty know. bad. He didn't lose a job. It never, got, it never got traced back to him. But yeah, he, he did say he went too far and he has a comedy background. But yeah, I think it was bad because also he had currently the upper hand. Like the, yeah, it swayed between I mean. the two candidates. Yeah. Yeah. And and if he was down and he needed to get back, but actually he's winning at the moment. He's winning, and he went a bit too far. I mean, he did go a bit too far. He went too far, I think, even for the film. Because I was watching it thinking, oh, that's funny. But then I thought, what's no way, what's scumbag? I just thought it was funny. <laughs> but you're right, it, it is. It's, it's also not mentioned off. again. No, I'd be no. bringing that up all the time. <laughs> yeah. bringing that up all the time but in fact it does have repercussions because even though they can't trace it to julia um her, her kind of failure to, to get traction of the campaign does mean she's going to get fired because that's what she learns that's yeah. what kevin learns from here from basically the, the, the chat on the campaign she's going to get fired and he learns about it first um so again they they meet up and they um decide basically to call a truce and to just be friends because they definitely do consistently get on with each other when they're not um, having a go at each other and um what is it? Also, uh, we should mention by this point, uh, Julia's ex-fiance, uh, Baghdad Bob, who's a, <laughs> yeah. who's, a, who's a journalist who goes to danger zones. Uh, it's like a, um, a, who's a, who's the British one? Jeremy, I'm, I'm going there. Jeremy Bowen. Oh, that's it. There Jeremy we go. Bowen, yeah. and, and Martin Bell. Be another one. He's like he's, he's like a Martin Bell or a Jeremy Bowen, but you know he looks like Christopher Reeve. Yeah, um, so, so yeah. It's not, not too bad. Uh, he's turned up as her ex-fiance who wants to get it back again, and I think you now she's been swayed and has given him another chance. So they're now re-engaged. So when they, when uh, Kevin and Julia meet up again, they do so as friends. She kind of you know lays down, "I'm engaged." Um, but again, they continue to have um, you know a, a, a good they rapport. Flirt a bit, don't they? You know, they, flirt. It's not strong flowing, but there's yeah. you, you can see that there's chemistry there. Yeah, and actually Kevin gives Julia some kind of um, advice on speech writing, how to improve her candidate's chances, which, again, does her um, good, but doesn't, doesn't harm his chances. But he says, I just wanted to help you. What's um, it called? The, um... You see Timmy. She needs you a you see, see Timmy. Timmy. That's it. Yeah. Which is when uh, from Lassie, when um, Timmy's mum sits him down and says, you see, Timmy, here's the lesson of the day. And he says he, the candidate needs more of that to, to show he has a heart. Um, this is when, is this <coughs> when Gina, um, Gina Davis in, in the fountain tells a story about this you know politics shouldn't be about um image it should be about the 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 depth of the content it should be about all this stuff which is it's a bit not, like, not about women well yeah. we find out that kevin actually feels the same because he, he used does to, feel before he went into write comedies he used to write politics but then he realized he said um i cared more than the guys i was writing for yeah so they both which, come from the same place which <clears throat> given his evidence now isn't it doesn't ring true <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, but notwithstanding, they uh, 
so but they're about to get very uh um very emotional like kind of they they're they like they're feet in the fountain paddling away and he goes i need to tell you something he goes i i don't i know what you're gonna say you're gonna get fired <laughs> and <laughs> he doesn't have so um but so kind of spurred by this kind of she's got like a week to get fired she thinks of the wonderful uct moment because the next news cycle is um her candidate is seen saving the baby bear and uh yeah. and as he cuddles this bear he's saying you just you know the uc timmy moment you can never give up on anything and it may down out and the uh, the candidates the republicans at this point are in despair thinking we're never gonna beat this guy he's just saved winnie the pooh <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and on on and on this goes until uh, we get to the the, the grand debates um, when again Julia um, oh yeah she's been promoted now the 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 the, the bear she's moment. press secretary she's now she? yeah she's now press secretary they fired the other guy and indeed she um but the first person she wanted to tell was not her fiance she wanted to tell Kevin she was so excited yeah uh, she wanted to share she's this news a, with him. she's in like a towel room yes she presents him with a, a small mint and a bottle of shampoo <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Um, and once again, they're, they're drawn to each other, but they're, you know, they're, they're obstacles. Um, but then in the debates, she she finally calls it off with uh, with Baghdad Bob, um, having ended it. So you know, there's nothing to stop her and Kevin from being together. Um, and just as about to kind of you know kiss, everyone else crowds into the the recording studio, so they have to you know play it off. Um, yeah. And then they go, they exit quietly, find a, a secluded room where they can basically get it on for the final time. Um, Although this secluded room does seem to control all the television screens, so as, as <laughs> you'd, bounce... you'd have thought there'd be someone in there, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd think so in the, in the debate. But as, <laughs> as the as the debate's going on, all of a sudden, as they're bouncing up and down off these various levers and switches, um, Tarzan is flicking on and off, and various train crashes. And <laughs> I was, yeah, I was expecting to have trains going into tunnels, <laughs> but he didn't have that. Um, and so, but the, you'd think that would end the movie now, but it hasn't. Yeah, well, they, they... yes, you would, wouldn't you? Although <laughs> I did, I did look at the clock and thinking that this is it's been on for about an hour and ten minutes, so it's a short yeah. film. So what else could there possibly be? And it turns out that yes, having having that they they they're now sleeping in this in the in the same bed. And when I say sleeping, they're actually sleeping because uh, having been insomniac, um, Kevin is now getting the best night's sleep of his life because nothing will wake him. He's had uh, champagne. He's had champagne. So I think we didn't need night quality. He needs a lot of champagne to get him to sleep. Yeah. Um, because his boss um, has now shouted through his door because his door's locked. You know, you need to fix this this next promo we're doing, or you know, get it done by Friday, you know, five a.m. tonight, or you're fired. Yeah. Um, but he can't played, be played by Bonnie Bedalia. Indeed. Who is uh, Mrs. Um, John McClane? She turned down Die Hard with a Vengeance to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that Michael Keaton turned down um, the, what, the Batman film that uh, Val, Kim- Val Kilmer did. Really? To do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why so, is career yeah. moves abound? <laughs> there you go. God, the Gina Davis Rennie Harland really is with some kind of whirlpool that sucks careers down, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, because this was produced by Rennie Harlan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and Gina Davis. It's, um, yeah. yeah, they they just take careers out the back and execute them, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> yeah, well, Michael just... Keaton's had a renaissance, in fact. He's, he's come back strong. He, he, he? has, he has. He has. Um, but, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Christopher Reeve didn't work much either after that. <laughs> I don't think... Yeah, I, don't think... <laughs> I don't think he did much. He did, a, he did, he did, a, he did attempt to do a, a, a TV movie version of Rear Window. <laughs> Um, but the, the obviously the the gimmick was that he was really wheelchair bound. That's a terrible and, thing to do. Right, and also, you know, if you're trying, a don't make a remake of Rear Rear Window. Don't do that. B, it was really bad anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and C, come on, it's a bit bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him a sitting down role in something. You don't need, you don't need to do. Let's do the wheelchair movie, Chris. Where well, can we get this story for you? 
Uh, R.A.P. Christopher, he was very good. Uh, um, yeah. But oh, do then, you know what? Before, Christopher Reeve, underrated actor, I think. Hugely underrated. Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a fine actor. He is, yeah. Um, and again, especially now we have you know the dearth of Superman um, all over yes. the place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he doesn't get half the credit he deserves. No, for he bringing that absolutely. Role to light. And and outside of the Superman um, films as well, he's done some very very good work. Very good work. Solid work. Um, I think have you seen Death Trap? I have not. With Michael Caine. Oh, I tell you what, that's a cracking film. You should watch that. Oh, okay. It's brilliant. Anyway. Where were we? So, um, yes, yeah, so, uh, given that uh, Michael, uh, Kevin is fast asleep and can't write his promo, uh, Julia does it for him. She actually writes the opposition's text she for does. it, um, she, she, um, which she is a kind of a sacrifice for her. Well, she gets quite carried away thinking this is good stuff because she writes a very good um, kind of mm. warm piece to camera from the Republican candidate, which again puts him in, in the lead. Um, and then he goes back and forth. and then But the Republican candidate is brought low by some campaign scandal that he's been bought off by this junk bond salesman so he's corrupt and you know any politician taking money from corporations you know, would never have a career so he's got once again early 90s um, um so it's so it's over now he's he the, the republicans lost um and and again the democrats are going to win uh julia herself has been tipped to have a her own run at a congress seat because she's passionate and believes things yeah. everything's coming up roses although um again kevin believes that it was julia who released this information about the uh, the scandal because it was in the notes that she took to write that promo piece for him yes. uh, which she actually she did see but then didn't didn't look into because it wasn't for her she kind of glances and then looks away confidential all over it yes um and in fact the truth of it was the junk bond salesman had paid off both candidates and yeah. they just decided to pick a winner um which julia finds out as they're walking up to the the victory podium so it was uh as as kevin announces on the he does his kind of big heart well, well, they, they, oh, just just on that they the yeah. um all of the kind of um the candidates you know all of the people that work for them, like ernie hudson and yeah. etc they were all rather than being morally um finding it morally abhorrent they were all like phew <laughs> yeah, they went on it. They go, that was a good one, yeah. isn't it? Oh, that was lucky, wasn't it? That I mean, they're both corrupt, but ours got away with it. Anyway, come on then, let's get up there. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so uh, but uh, yeah, because um, yeah, Julia mentioned something to the candidate saying, "You're finished." I know about the scandal, but it seems like the party's kind of cool with it. So I'm not sure what difference it makes <laughs> whether she knows about it. But uh, not, notwithstanding, that's not really the point of the film. Is um, because they've they've fallen out again because Kevin had accused Julia of betraying him, and this is I think kind of portrayed as his. The, the, the big the straw that breaks the back because he can't trust people you know, etc yeah. um so then they they break up and she's outraged of course because she thinks he's talking about the fact she wrote his his lines from and saved his job there um but yeah so he he gets on the uh the tannoy and does this big heartfelt speech and tries to swing down on the podium to to, to, rave, uh, to yeah. save her he actually plays uh this this um spanish language song that she's been oh, yeah. mooning over for the whole film yeah this, uh, that... yeah well, in in in, bit, in bouts of insomnia there's this advert that keeps playing or yeah. a music video or something yeah. um it's a very odd scene because there'll be one point where she's in bed and she's eating marshmallow cream oh with a, with a carrots. carrots what yeah. <laughs> What's that? But watching this advert, and she's got this really weirdly gormless face on. Like, oh, yeah. this is good. I mean, yeah. I found it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if, be honest, if I'd eaten marshmallow cream with oh, carrots, yeah. I wouldn't she's sleep either. Homatose. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yes, yeah, so he picks their song. He swings down. They they hug each other. And actually, in the, the final epilogue is uh, the the three newsmen who've been following the whole thing and consistently bet on things like mm-hmm. oh, ten to one this lap and la la. They see that Julie is running for the Congress district and Kevin is her campaign manager. And one of them says, "Oh, it'll be over in six months." And one goes, "I give it a year." And the third one, who's always been shown winning the bets, goes, um, "Happily ever after." And then there's yeah. your movie. Oh, lovely. Very good. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? There we are. That is speechless. Certainly didn't leave you speechless in that very (laughs) thorough synopsis. Um... (laughs) That was the best Crowther I've ever heard. It was a very thorough synopsis. (laughs) Really got into all the details there. <laughs> Look, this is why I don't do puns on the weekend at Crumbies because my my you know feeble efforts get shot down. Um, I'm sorry, I'll cut that out and it will seem like you, um, you know you've you, <laughs> in a day. It I'll just leave silence there. It adds to the characterization of uh, of the two um, gentlemen philosophers, doesn't it? So there we are. They're speechless. Um, colleagues, please do uh, get yourself a bowl of marshmallow cream and some carrot sticks and join us when we discuss the reasons why Hugh chose the film and some of the themes that came from it. Welcome back to volume four, episode six of Weekend at Crumbies. We have been regaled with the story of Speechless, um, Michael Keaton, Gina Davis, vehicle. Um, it was Hugh's choice. And, uh, I, well, I would, I'll say just before we start, I have never heard of Speechless in my <laughs> life. Never heard of it. Never seen anything related to it. Didn't know it existed at all. Um, so despite being Michael Keaton and Gina Davis fan as well, right? So yeah, it's yeah, very I, strange. I, I dug that one out, didn't I? You did. So I'm intrigued as to what, what, I mean, A, how do you know about it? And um, <laughs> why did you choose it? <laughs> okay, let's, let's go. There's many fold reasons here. Um, the first one is it's a romantic comedy. Um, which again we don't yes, tend to do often. So is when Harry met Sally. <laughs> but I think you've <laughs> you heard know? of that. Yeah, that's I, a fair I, point. I'm, I'm building up. This, that, that's, this is just yeah, this is the first tier of a many layered yeah, okay. Oh, I see. I see. So, you know, okay. You've, you've, you've had the brandy soaked sponge. Let me get to the, the dusting of cocoa powder. <laughs> it's a romantic comedy, and we don't get enough of those. Also, again, um, it's a romantic comedies appeal to 50% of our listenership, to wit, um, my good lady wife. Um, so I'd be, it'd be nice. To, and also she has seen all the romantic comedies. There was not a rom-com that's not. And so this one, to find one she'd not seen, I was, yeah, that was very you proud of that. Struggling. Oh, so she's not seen this. She's not seen this at all. No, no. And, uh, you know, to, and given that she's seen all of them, this is a good yeah. find. Um, that's true, given that she'd seen Carrie Pilby, hadn't she? And that was that's... pretty obscure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I say obscure? I meant crap. <laughs> <laughs> And there goes 50% of our listeners. Uh, I jest, of course. Look, the film might not have been great, but the discussion about it was fantastic. <laughs> so that's step one. It's a romantic comedy. Um, it's Again, it's from Gina Davis and Rennie Harlan, who we have, uh, again, reviewed before. With, um, and loved. And loved. So again, and that was, uh, that was, uh, that was um, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which was, uh, we said it was generally an unloved film at the time. It didn't do too well, um, but it was from that directing, the, the production duo, and it was it's Curatex. So I was interested to see what this one made of. I have seen it once before. <laughs> yeah, in the in the, in the in the late nineties, because it was during the time when Sky Cinema was relatively new, 
and their budget only allowed them to get really bad films. Uh, so it was it was part of the, like my first year in uni when, you know, you could watch films in the daytime. Um, it was part of their regular cycle of pretty bad films, pretty unheard really? of films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could feel an entire season of Weekend at Crombies <laughs> from the films I watched in, in my first year of uni. <laughs> and I well do. Uh, so this, this, was, this, was, this is what I saw in it. So that, that stuck with me. Um, but again, that was many, many years ago. So I have yeah. no recollection other than a vague memory. I tell you what, the only line that stuck with me was that scene in the schoolroom. Um, and I thought, yeah. that alone's worth another watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was interested in... First, again, I'm a Michael Keaton fan. I'm a Gina Davis fan. Um, I like their work, so I thought how they work together. And it just occurred to me, of course, they were in Beetlejuice together. And that's it's, Beetlejuice you would see together. that film yes. and think, let's get these two as a romantic yeah. pairing. Yes, true. Yes, true. And of course, uh, Michael Keaton was Batman and Christopher Reeve was Superman. Indeed. Oh, good God. You know what? I didn't even put that together. Wow. Yes, uh, yeah. And, uh, yes. <laughs> it, it's the real... Um, um justice league isn't it <laughs> this is where it's at gina davis would make a hell of a wonder woman yeah yeah she would <laughs> <laughs> the only person i think would make a better um wonder woman might be angela bassett in strange days <laughs> but she wouldn't need any super ha- super ha- uh, power super power no she's just she wouldn't- Obviously, I've lost, lost. I'm speechless because I'm just thinking about Angela Bassett in Strange Days. Anyway, calm down, James. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes, yeah, so um, I'm just thinking about casting calls. Yeah, so uh, I'm a fan of them both. Have seen this again. Remembered it vaguely. I was interested because, again, without delving too much into the political climate, the idea that you'd make a movie a based on a partisan politics and b based on two different people from across the aisle mm. nowadays like yeah. that could be something you could ha- easily overcome because that in fact is the least of their problems the fact they have different political beliefs barely touches the surface of what it's not about going. that is it really yeah, in the yeah. end um it's which a true is... story as well isn't it is it yeah yes yeah, yes it is what would i what did i read about i read about this um oh yeah so hang on a minute it's yeah it's inspired by james Coville or Corville, I think actually, and Mary Matalin, um, and they were cover. Yeah, they were both speechwriters, uh, a senatorial um, uh, kind of election process, and they fell in love and been you know happily married ever since. Marvelous. Well, it's, it can happen. So um, yeah, yeah, I was interested in the structure of it as as a as a romantic comedy. I wanted to watch a romantic comedy again. I had vague memories of it, and I thought the actors would be solid picks. So I thought, let's give this a go. And again, it's right in my wheelhouse of. Uh, Mm. early 90s unforgotten forgotten movies again it lost money it lost about it cost about 30 million it made mm. 20 million so even with the advertising on top of that it it, it bombed and it is hugely <laughs> underrated on like the rotten tomatoes and yeah. all that. it's eleven percent. it's ridiculous i mean that's not fair is it no. uh, but like 30 million dollars in early 90s that's not cheap no it isn't is it, is it? And it and they wouldn't spend it on balloons <laughs> Maybe it all went on the balloons. It's but like Dragon Slayer is all Vermithrax pejorative. The speechless is all balloons. All CGI balloon. $29 million on the opening sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to imagine, again, Michael Keaton and Judas could command quite a salary. They were were at the peak of their careers. And again, you've got Bonnie Bedella, Ernie Hudson, Charles Smith, Christopher Reeve. Reeve. These aren't small actors in the supporting cast. And considering it's a 95-minute movie with a a supporting cast of that depth, that's quite a lot going on in there. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fair enough, I guess. Really, it just it does seem a lot. Um, yeah, I guess if you if they if they thought it was like the next Harry Met Sally, you could justify that money. Uh, you know, big cast, lots of talent. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, it, um, 
But it isn't, and it didn't. No, um, it isn't, and it didn't. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, that's very good. I, I um, yeah. I, as I say, it's, it, I don't. I, I don't mean this to sound pompous, but it's rare that I've never heard of a film, particularly from like my lifetime. You know, like yeah. the eighties, nineties, two thousands. Yeah, I just never. Literally, I thought, what's this? Hang on, it's got Michael Keaton and Gina Davis, but I like these actors. How can I not know what this film is? So let's jump off into that then. So you've yeah. never seen the film before. What was your hot take? What, do we, what were you thinking as it was unfolding? So there's, uh, well, okay. Yeah, let, right. Let me think about this then. So there's a, a few things that kind of jumped out to me. Um, the, I think that the film, I think the film, the, the political aspect of the film or the setting that the film um, presents itself in is a little bit of a red herring because although they are obviously, um, you know, the, the, the point is, is that there's supposed to be some division between them and getting together is going to be the challenge, as it were, or, or where, that's where the comedy is going to come from and the, and, and the, um, the, the difficulties. It, it, in effect, it pretty, I think it pretty quickly casts off the, the political aspect of it. This isn't, so basically this isn't a satire, is it? And yeah. I think you could, you could possibly, and, and that's in some respects a little bit disappointing um, because when I, when I've, put this on and I first started, you know, the first kind of 10, 15 minutes, I thought to myself, well, there's obviously going to be, this is a, this has to be a political satire. Otherwise, why have this massive, great big kind of, um, why have this setting for what would be quite a simple romantic comedy? Well, I suppose it could be anything. It's just a bit of a gimmick having that there. So I I, I thought, I thought that um, if it is a satire, as I started to watch a film, it's a pretty toothless satire. It's pretty weak satire. And then I kind of realized Forget about the satire. This isn't the satire. No. Uh, and, it's and, not and primary what, colors or whatever. No, no, exactly. It's not prime or, or the uh, the American president. And it's it's not, it's not West Wing or anything like. It's not intended to be anything like that at all. And once I relinquished those shackles, I warmed to it a bit. I, it, it, I you know I started to engage with the characters a little bit more because I, I was I, at that point I wasn't expecting there to be deep political you know, um, yeah. machinations or or pointed observations about the American political system, really. I mean, there is some of that in there in, in, in the context of, of the kind of bickering that takes place. But it's really just about two people with a very different... It's not even about two people with very different views, actually. Yeah. It's about two people put in different situations who have a misunderstanding at the start and the rest of the film is them trying to catch up with that misunderstanding. So in that context, the film feels a lot more for me like a, a screwball comedy yeah yeah you know like that. a 1940s screwball <laughs> comedy like uh, he, uh i don't know if you've ever seen his girl friday with yes um, yes yeah with Clark with um, yeah uh, no um who is it carrie grant carrie grant, grant that's it yeah so and you know that's a similar thing where you've got two reporters yes. um working in kind of opposite sides on different papers trying to get the same kind of story so it's try it, it's trying to be that and I could see that in the kind of the, the script. There was the pitter patter of the 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 flow between um, Keaton and Davis was 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 attempting to do that. Now I, I should say I don't think it reaches anywhere near the highs of those forty scruple comedies. If it did, it would be very well known, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think the script somewhat lets it down because I I think it's there are some sequences in it which I, I was kind of sat there thinking, oh, this is this is so on the nose or weird, weirdly expressionist uh, expressionist in, in that context. So 
in the end it became a little bit like a sitcom you know yeah. there was there were there were sequences that were individually quite funny yeah. and and you know ha- had a bit of depth to them but at the same time they didn't really connect very well with each other and in the end they didn't really mean a lot i suppose so that's my initial that's my initial take yeah. i've got some other thoughts but that's just my initial take yeah. i was i was a little bit i was expecting a satire yeah. and when i really went when it wasn't happening i was a bit you know where this is this isn't very good and once i relinquished the shackles of that actually and, and opened myself to it a little bit more i found myself going with the flow and as the film went on i actually you know i thought i thought they had good chemistry together and i enjoyed their interactions with each other yeah no i'd go along with a lot of that there's um whether it was again a, a deliberate choice not to try and offend people the candidate mm. because mm. uh, it, it doesn't go for anything sharp um in terms of that no. the, the, can, the candidates themselves they're not portrayed as, as again sleazy or repellent human beings actually shown you know talking to each other and chatting and generally yeah being, well, they're normal aren't they I they're mean, being I, I they're think... being normal and pleasant and yeah. they threw yeah. the, the corruption thing at the very end as a way of saying we're all politicians are bad so it doesn't matter who won or lost which is also yeah. a kind of a, a no score draw but that notwithstanding they they're not again this is this is pre-clinton so they're just you know, politicians were just politicians you know they, you could yeah. say they're sleazy and they lie but it wasn't there wasn't that kind of hurt in the or, or, or anger or anything like that and this um, isn't this film isn't about that either is it? it's not about yeah. the sleaze or the or the or that in fact you're right the the corruption bit at the end i think is just a way out yeah uh, enabling michael keaton to trust gina davis right yeah. That's if, all they, it is. if they were two rival advertisers of doing a different cookies, it would be the same film. Um, yes, because it would be exactly if they were having the different film. campaign yes. slogans for yeah. who's having the best Coca Cola, yeah, it yeah, would yeah. be the same. Um, yeah. Which yeah, is one of it. And I think, take the other point in terms of it, 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 the script laid down, it meandered. You're right. There are lots of scenes there um, when it just felt like it, it could it could use more. Um, like yes. they, they, had, they had the idea that, again, the chemistry is good, the setup is good. But you had scenes like, um, for instance, the, the fun and games when they're arguing each other via the candidates was quite good. And if that had gone yeah. on for more, if there'd be more of that, that'd have been yeah. quite funny. Not just that montage carrying on, but if there'd been more of them using their jobs to continue their relationship you know, through the medium it, because they couldn't actually talk, they weren't allowed to, rather than just calling each other and saying, can we talk again? Um, that yeah. would have been that would have been better. Like I say, the, the apology speech um, when Mike makes in, he just gets on the tannoy and shouts it from my balcony in the same way that every other rom-com does. Yeah, if but he, he doesn't say that, anything particularly yeah interesting does he yeah but if if the losing candidate the republican had got up on the podium and said i'm sorry i was a big jerk i didn't know what i was doing and he'd made this heartfelt plea via his candidate that would have been both be a bit weird and quite funny that would be quite funny yeah that's good um but um like you say and other scenes you say gone too long there's this entire scene when um again because this the the um, Julia's boss is meant to think he's still a sitcom writer. He doesn't know that she's been fraternising with the enemy. Mm. So when he comes into the office to discuss the debate team, yes. he has to hide. Yes, and it just goes on for too long with Michael Keaton ducking and dob- bobbing and, and hiding yeah. out of the way. And it's like this isn't funny enough to last that long. And, and no. if, if you're going to do it, do it really cool, like he's throwing on the floor and he's crawling along the, the carpet. Yeah, make yeah, make yeah. it a proper farce. Yeah, and, either and, go the yeah. whole hog or don't do it, and it's kind of stuck somewhere in between. Yeah, and then speaking of the proper farce, is that what you'd think would be because there's always that moment in this kind of farcical romantic comedy comedy of errors hiding your identity thing when everyone finds out let's look at the yeah. secret of my success there's a scene where they're all chasing around and they end up in the same bedroom and it all comes out <laughs> and that's that's the moment you want for this yeah. and here in the, the debate booth when they're all there yeah everyone was in the same room yeah, talking to each other and, 
and they just kind of gabbled a bit. They didn't actually get around. They just gabbled, 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 and said, oh, and then even started watching the candidates. And it didn't happen. Like at this point, because Ju- Julia's career is on the line here. She's been given everything. She's been given a congressional run. She's been given yeah, a bottle of champagne. Yeah, she's been given yeah. her boss's approval. And you think, well, this is the moment when it all comes out, and yes. she loses her career, yes. and they and they cut to the bit when she's sad, and she, the relationship's Absolutely. gone, and, and that's the low moment. That, yes, and you exactly rally for what I was thinking. You rally for her, and then what I was thinking would be a really good sequence. Then would be it's i don't know it's it's a year later or it's six months later and she's she's on the campaign trail and he's her speechwriter. yeah and and i know you get a bit of that at the very end but i would have liked to have seen the consequence because you end up with this whole financial scandal thing which is just a bit of a non-ending and totally unnecessary whereas you didn't need any of that let's just have let's just have the romantic aspect finish there yes it's all come out she's lost the job oh dear but then she's a candidate herself yeah, yeah, no, I don't I, I've just seen that because it, again, you not just know the language of how a rom com works or anything like you, you're expecting that lull so you can rally from it and come back. Yeah, and it yeah. seems like this is the moment when it happens. It's the debate, they're all in the room, everyone, the secrets find out they can't hide any longer. It's all there, but it doesn't. And there are uh, elements of farce in it because yeah. you know, it, it that they all think he's a sitcom writer and yeah. and it's oh, yeah, how's your how's your how, how's your work going? I think this is the best, the best one I've done, and he's talking about the speech. Yeah, he's not talking about the sitcom. Talking, they all yeah. think he's talking about the sitcom. Is it, what was the sitcom called? Like healthcare? Healthcare? Yeah. Is, that, is that a comedy? And, it, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's just one of those kind of ha-has that could have worked in the first 15 minutes. But this yeah. is, the, this is this well, is you the, say, it, it feels like a finale, the although there is another half an hour after this, yeah. after they get together. Yeah. And then it goes on a bit longer and there's like, she writes his thing when he can't wake up and then they do the, the corruption thing. So it goes on. It doesn't quite stick the landing. Um, it doesn't. I think it's a bit of a non-ending, which leaves you a bit frustrated for the last half, maybe not half now, but 20, 20 25 minutes, because yeah. you think, well, this film has ended. Yes, yes, they've got you, together. You, you've kind of, you, your mind's gone elsewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, a, there was that. Again, the other thing is, in terms of the opposition, again, because the idea of rom-coms is there's a lot of opposition, and that can be kind of the fact that they've got something because the thing the first opposition is their jobs they're on different sides of the aisle and that's the big opposition which they kind of get around by a ignoring it and b deciding they're not going to talk about politics Mm. um and then you have uh kind of the the love interests and thing is baghdad bob he's a bit annoying and a bit vain um i like the fact he he wears his flak jacket with with the shrapnel tears on (laughs) it for no good reasons like this oh yeah i got that with a bit of shrapnel yeah the scuds you just learn to ignore them after a while you know yeah we've got this baghdad yeah but apart from that, he's not—he's not a terrible person or a, a, a malign no. influence on her life, no. and so she just basically hands him the engagement ring back, and he goes, "Oh dear," <laughs> that's that. Yeah, yeah, he does. Well, there's a, there's a scene, and this is this is an example of the the script maybe not working as hard as it could. So th- there's a scene toward the end of the film where where Julia is trying to decide whether actually um, uh, Freed—he's called Freed, isn't he? Whether yeah. he's actually the right person for him or whether it should be kevin and so she asks him you know if you found out that I, that, that um, I was cheating on you i was being um you know it was infidelity what would you do and he said well i'd, I'd think you know i'd we'd have a conversation maybe we'd try and figure out why you did it we'd go to counseling and then we, we'd have to move on if i'd forgive you and then at the very end she asks the same question of michael keith no oh, no it's not at the very end is it it's, it's when they're having their tryst when they when yeah, they uh, yeah. when they when they're sleeping together she asks the same question of michael keaton and he says I'd take you to the, the nearest beauty spot, maybe a bridge or the edge of a mountain, and I'll throw you off. And she goes, yeah, that's exactly what I do as well. Which is, uh, and it's quite funny, Yeah. but the problem is, is that it reveals something about the character, her character, way too late in the film. Yeah. 
because they've got to she's never heard before yeah but she's broken up and got together with him so all that information reveals nothing it's irrelevant isn't it if she'd asked them both before she made her choice you'd yeah. know which her choice is <laughs> yeah. uh, and again it, it is like it just is a bit jumbled in in the order of the way things happen um and that yeah it's a strange one and again um what is almost meant to be the other side um kevin's boss annette played by um bonnie belinda who, bonnie bedelia who is um also his Ex, ex-wife. ex-wife and yeah. obviously still um, harbors some thoughts for him yeah but yeah but essentially she's basically just a professional getting the job done she's not yeah. she, she's not because she's like i think she's meant to be portrayed as this you know this ball break and this kind of stuff and she's fact, not, she, she? no and the way she's presented again because obviously he's like doing um he's she, he's a, she, um when they first meet he's doing press-ups so he's kind of at her feet and we just see her from the kind of the, uh, yeah. the high heels and the legs and the business suit upwards as if she's like this classic 80s ball breaker and this is the early 90s and it's yeah. funny that gina davis is portrayed in kind of very soft flannels and it's a whole <laughs> different look it's like we yes. don't like the, the careerist woman but it's okay yeah. to work very hard as long as you wear soft lines as yeah, well, yeah. but but again, she does nothing. Again, she she like gets fired because they think she does the um yeah. But the there's fire. no evidence, and she doesn't do it. But um, no, but so she yeah. has no redemption at the end. Yeah, she she just get and she looks really unhappy about it. It's like I'm very sorry for this character. <laughs> yeah, she said I've given my life to I've given my whole year of my life to this campaign. I didn't do it. I'm just trying to help us win, and she just gets fired. And she's not mean to Kevin. She's not mean to anybody. She's just yeah. trying to get the job done. It's like wow, that was a bit. But in fact, in, a in, bit in, of pathos with her because she's yeah. clearly still in love with him. Yeah, but in the yeah, because she yeah, her, her voice does break when she realizes he's yeah. with someone else. But in the language of sitcoms or rom coms, we're meant to not like bad bad Bob. We're not not meant to not like Annette either. They're meant to be the people who are in the way of this yeah. this romance we want to see. Yeah. And even though we do want to see this romance happen, because actually they've got good chemistry, they genuinely get on well together. And it's, it's as their romance unfolds, it's very pleasant. Actually, they it they yeah, genuinely fall in love, and it's like well, that's very nice to see. But there's very little in the way of stopping them getting falling in love. No, you're right. So I, I think that um what you've just said about the fact that when when the romance does kick in and when they do fall in love it's very pleasant and you know you, you i was rooting for them i wanted them to get together which is always a big thing in a romantic comedy because if you if you have some connection to the characters then it, it can forgive a lot and i think that that has an awful lot to do with gina davis and, and michael keaton because the script itself doesn't almost deserve the uh, not just them two actually i think christopher reeve puts in a good shift i mean all of the actors do actually so they create an atmosphere in the film which i think means that you do root for them i I wonder whether this for me has something to do with the fact that i just like those two actors i think it's not even about them being very good actors i just think that they are very good they have a lot of presence and charisma i think gina davis is excellent in this um she's she's really really good person and it just makes me wonder again why she isn't the bigger star that she is you know she should be she should be a bigger star because despite this film having so many flaws and probably if if i'm honest not very good it has two leading actors who i really felt for and really rooted for yeah, he did really well. Um, yeah, well, you, you say, why, 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 why is she the biggest star? Yeah, yeah, despite saying why she's the biggest star, well, she was in this uh, written by uh, Robert King, yeah. and his next movie was Cutthroat Island. Yeah, yeah, yes, but as as we've highlighted, right? So um, I don't know what the scores are going to be for this, but this isn't eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, now, right. that's unfair. Oh, yeah. She was also uh, she was in yes, Cutthroat Island. Right, lots of actors have stinkers didn't they yeah. right i mean you know and a lot of them recover from that yeah. i know that she then followed it up with the long kiss good night which was again a very poor box office performer that is an absolute brilliant film that is an app that is that is 
it, it, that is a film Weekend at Crombies is made for because it is stonkingly brilliant yeah. and has had absolutely no credit whatsoever. And I can't believe it. And I just think, and you know, Emma and I were thinking, well, what, what, what the hell has Gina Davis been in? And then we were like, oh, she's in The Fly. She's in Thelma and Louise, wasn't she? Yeah, she's in Thelma yeah. and Louise. She was in The League of Their Own. Oh, yeah, she was in The League of Their Own, yeah. And then, um, she, she, you know, she was probably at one point in the in the late 80s, she could have commanded films. And she, she was given the opportunity, I suppose. But I don't know, she, the, maybe the wrong choices or just didn't quite have the, I don't know. I think people should have just given her a go at uh, yeah. uh, well, she was she was she was into the kind of the the production game too, so she was kind of choosing her films too. So maybe she'd have, yes, if she'd have been true. part of someone else's show, yes, um, it, she might have chosen better or had a bit more of a critical eye. Yeah, she moved into television in kind of the the two thousands, and again that was oh, the, yeah, quite successful. And the, the one thing I would say on this, she was nominated for a Glo- Golden Globe for this film. Was she? Yeah, got, she was uh, not nominated for best actress in a musical or comedy at the Golden yeah. Globes in in nineteen ninety five. It's so, funny how Michael, Michael Keaton kind of had the same doldrums in the, the late yes, 90s, but managed to rally and kind of come yeah. back against stronger and, than ever. He's very um, in demand oh, now. Well, he's very in demand as a serious actor now. You know, I think yeah. a lot of that was to do with um, Birdman, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Which I really like. I know it's a bit of a divisive film, but he's oh, very like good at it. Yeah. Oh, you like it? Yeah, yeah, I do like yeah. it. What's, what's the other one? Um, the uh, the, uh, the um, Spotlight. That was the other one. Yes, of course. And then, and then well. the founder, and then, the founder. Um, yeah, that's then he took film, the uh, he took the Marvel shilling as a as a yeah, uh, as, as all actors do at some point. As, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how he even said that in Birdman. And he goes, they even got him in a cape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, he yeah he he recovered well. It's, it's just, I don't know. You don't you don't see Gina Davis about much anymore, do you? And um, I, I think that's a shame because I think in in the in the early nineties she was she was on fire she, she i mean as i say this doesn't deserve as good a performance as, as she's yeah. given in this i think she's great in it but do you say why why how, how this disappeared i did look around i thought well what else what else was on the market and thinking 1994 there was uh, a comedy called four weddings and a funeral oh right okay. and i think well, that was the you know the rom-com iceberg that would have yes. just blown everything out of the water <laughs> if you were if you you know that that was it if you weren't for weddings and then of course that spurned a lot of four weddings imitators so maybe this just came out and we talk about again you can watch a film in isolation of of the the time it was made and appreciate it in different ways because again this is not an 11 percent film it's not a, you know discover it's not a, um, a long kiss good night either no, but it, it, it just got smashed aside by a juggernaut rom-com that yeah. kind of defined the decade well, and you know, it, but perhaps, perhaps fairly so. Perhaps the film doesn't deserve to be more widely known. I mean, it, it isn't fan. It isn't a great film, and yeah. you know, there were points in it where I was thinking, God, that. I mean, some some of the some of the some of the lines in the film. I was thinking, oh, that's you know, just the way that characters interacted with each other. I think, this is this 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 isn't working. This isn't right. Yeah. And yet, I found myself tw- twenty thirty minutes later still engaged in the film, <laughs> still wanting them to to get together. So what what there has to what was making me do that? Yeah. There was something making me do that. There was something with me saying, this script is bloody awful. Yeah. And the film is a bit all over the place and kind of rubbish. But why am yeah. I still kind of enjoying myself here? Why well, is this still yeah. entertaining? And it is that chemistry because I mentioned, you know, wouldn't it have been funny if the characters had, had talked through their candidates and said yeah. each other. But actually the moments when they basically can't sleep and they call each other and say, let's meet up again. There's yeah. about four or five of them there's in the movie. There's four or five of them. They're yeah. the best bits in the movie. And they it's, are, it's, yeah. it's, there's those two-handers when they're, they're going through another point in the relationship. You could have just cut all the bits out and had those bits as the movie because yeah. that is the movie. There's the, their unfolding relationship um, and the, everything else around it is just chatter. Even the supporting characters, as good as they are. In terms of actors, they're, they're just they're, yeah, they're they can be fluff, aren't they? They're yeah. fluff. Um, I thought I did. 
uh, taking kind of leaf out of your book when you see people um, order drinks or eat food and then leave it. There's a scene where um, <laughs> yes. Gina Davis and Michael Keaton go into the bar and the, she's saying, "Look, basically, I've you know, I've I've I'm I'm, I'm engaged and you know I, we can't do this anymore." And they've all they both ordered a beer, and then within about a minute she walks off and there's a whole pint of beer. She's She's there is, the whole there, point. Yeah, there is for her. The Mugkin has had a good old swig before yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, if this scene's ending, like boom, waters yeah. down, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not one what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. Um, you can slug that now. But yeah, um, what else did I say about the, the movie again? It's, uh, I think I have to put it in terms of anything else to say. I've done the, kind of the themes of it and, uh, and I think what it needed. Again, we did a, a thorough rewrite. I think a thorough rewrite is what it needed. It's structurally flawed. I think so. And again, who was the director? Ron Underwood. What's Ron he Underwood, done? He did uh, City Slickers okay, um, so and Tremors. Who are both? They're both. They're both. I think they're both genre films, but they're both quite. They're good. They're quite good genre films. And they're, they're tightly plotted. Yeah, they are. They are. And and this isn't tightly plotted, really. I think. I think. I, I do find that it's probably the same with comedy films generally as well. But romantic comedies. Are I think they're harder to put together than they look. So, uh, and by that I mean when you get a really good romantic comedy that really tugs at your heartstrings, makes you laugh out loud, and really roots for the characters, it feels effortless. Yeah, right. It just feels totally effortless. And yet, it, I think it, there are so many failed romantic comedies that it must be the hardest genre to write for um, to build that character development and the situations that feel real enough. Yeah. but are, are just contrived enough to get them together for it to still not fall apart. I think it takes a real talent to do uh, romantic comedies brilliantly. And that's why I think it's so hard to, I th- the classics are few and far between, I think. Yeah, there's funny they are. And in fact, yeah, it, it's the modern thing of romantic comedies is more and more outrageous things to keep people yeah. apart. Probably yeah. because it, there's, there's actually fewer reasons why people should, there's no class divide. There's no, no. You know, financial, there's no real reasons why people, two people, if they want to get together, shouldn't, shouldn't get, together. get together. So yeah. you have to add, you know, add like time warps and memory <laughs> loss and, and all kinds of things in just to yeah. keep them apart. Um, and funny though, I would say that probably the hardest thing with a romantic comedy is actually the chemistry between the leads. And they exactly. have exactly that. this. Yes. What, this, this had it. This has it. Yeah, this this has the the, the hard yeah. bit, and it failed the easy bit, which is get the script out. Get the script out. Not necessarily yeah. the easy easy bit. No, no. Uh, the point is, you can work on a script and work on it and work on it and work on it. You, if two actors don't have chemistry, they don't have chemistry. Yeah, you're right. So you, you, absolutely, absolutely right. The the um, you've got two very good actors you know doing very well uh, at the top of their game um, and they've both got chemistry with each other it's an open goal almost you know you, you, all you need you don't even need a great script you, you, i think they were just trying too hard perhaps to fit a fit something in it that just didn't quite it didn't need to be done i mean i'm all I'm, i suppose i'm all for romantic comedies that are small scale i guess really um the the kind of the 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 minutiae of life really the absurdities of it and I, I tend to find with with a lot of romantic comedies and this is one of those it, although not it's not an extreme version it is it's as you say it's the absurdities that are put in place which the film becomes about the absurdities not about the characters yeah and I want it to be about the characters so much more um or or if this was going to be a farce let it go down the fast route because it, it could quite easily. I was just when I was watching this, I was thinking some of the best episodes of Frasier um, when there's, you know, unrequited love and there's a lot of farce in those as well. The, the scripts are tight. They're tightly wound. But there were a lot of scenarios in this where you could have had a really good 
farcical element to it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when someone comes into a room, someone leaves a room, someone then comes back into the room, someone leaves a room. So, you know, it, they they are trying to avoid each other's work colleagues because they'll get fired. All of this stuff. They could, there was, you know, you could have built a really good farce out of this and it just didn't quite do it. Uh, it just, it, 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 it just, it fell down really. Um, yeah. But I think again, it's, it's failings of its own making. You, you oh, could have, you, they, they could have put more into this. It wasn't like it just, you know, it just wasn't clicking. It's what happening. You can, if you can, someone, the director, the writer must have known they were scenes with toothless and needed beefing up. Um, ironically in a movie all about people writing, this is yeah, the thing that yeah, fell down right. from it. Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. I was again stepping back but again. I went this with no expectations, having you know only a vaguest memory of it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, it was yes. you know, it was yes. it was a 90, 95 minutes, which is um, I have recently slogged through the two hour forty Harry Potter movie with my eldest. And my yeah. goodness, yeah. I appreciate anything get you out there in half yeah. an hour and a half. Um, but it, it, it bobbed along again. Again, it was it was always pleasant to watch, even if you um, yes. There were, there were some genuine laugh at moments. Again, the scene when his hand gets caught from addresses. Yeah, he's his really hand, good. The school scene. There were a couple of you know smile moments too. Um, again, one thing for again, what rather than less romantic comedies and comedy comedies is, you would have those chuckle moments leading to a huge laugh yeah. at it. Never was yes. that. No, um, and that's where the real comedies excel. They get you chuckling, 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 and then it all explodes. You, you find, you find yeah. yourself on the floor laughing. Yeah. But again, it was it was. I had I had an enjoyable evening watching it, which would actually surprise me because normally you'd expect to pick it apart. But in fact, once you'd realise it was what it was and it wasn't it never got appreciably worse and it never got appreciably better it, 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 it once you'd centered and were just enjoying what it had to offer it was a, it was a perfectly pleasant you know 90 yeah. minutes for you to spend it yes it, it has a lightness of not lightness of touch to it i suppose really it didn't get bogged down in in too much and and i i agree with you i, I, I don't want to sound overly negative about it because i think ultimately the evening that i watched it was a thoroughly enjoyable one and i watched it with the missus and we both we both we both turned around and i think we both thought it was rubbish but <laughs> enjoyable yeah. right so what can you do we enjoyed it um i, I think that this is a film that is maybe the pri- one of the primary examples of it's it's not a safe bet but it's something that if i if i wanted to watch something that i didn't have to think about in any way shape or form or i was pottering about doing something else i wouldn't mind putting this on in the background yeah <laughs> and i don't know that that's necessarily it's like damning with faint praise isn't it really because that's obviously not what the filmmakers intended but <laughs> i'd put this on whilst i was doing the ironing or something and go and, and think well i've got 93 95 minutes now where i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy I'm gonna enjoy it so i might as well just get the ironing done <laughs> Do you know what? I think I did do my ironing when I was at university with this on. Really? <laughs> but the first and last time I ever ironed a t-shirt, thinking, yeah, I need to exactly. iron things. Now I'm thinking, what? But yeah, it's a... I can vouch for that statement. <laughs> Having sat next to him uh, in an office um, when he would he would be wearing the sharpest, the sharpest shirts I've ever seen. And by sharpest, I don't mean sartorially elegant. I mean so unironed that they would have edges. My philosophy is that life comes with creases. <laughs> and so do my shirts. <laughs> Indeed. So are there any other films, Hugh, that that you would recommend whilst watching this? A speechless double bill, perhaps? Well, that's interesting, because I think um, you probably nailed it with uh, His Girl Friday, yeah, about yeah. two people of, of a similar profession competing. That actually is, is a great one. It's trying to be a screwball. I suppose a more modern one would kind of like be One Fine Day, which um, Michelle Pfeiffer and... Uh, 
um, George Clooney, where they were both parents. So that was kind of their, their role. And they were struggling, kind of semi-competing, but having that kind of back and forth repartee there. But um, what I was thinking of when I kind of saw the, the divide was there was um, another early 90s one called He Said, She Said with Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Perkins. <laughs> oh, God, that's awful. Well, it was, I have it heard was, of it, but yeah, I don't think it I've was, seen it. It was done as a kind of a gimmick thing because it was um, all kind of the men bits all kevin bacon's bits was directed by a male director and all elizabeth perkins bits were directed by a female director and they were just patched together um what? yeah and it's it's as good as that sounds <laughs> the biggest winners were the two directors who later on got married and lived happily ever after really yeah <laughs> there we go but uh yeah they're, they're, they're playing the movie at the wedding um and then what else was i think of um the only other thing I can think of, and this is only because um, it has an insomnia scene in it, was Legal Eagles with uh, Robert Redford and Deborah Ringer. Oh, and I go, just remember go. there's a scene where neither of them can sleep and it keeps panning back and forth. And I thought, did they copy that? Because it's, it's, <laughs> um, I can't remember which one came out first, but it's just like you know, Robert Redford. It's funny how they, um, Robert Redford is allowed to be like showing, he's using a paddle ball, you know, on, on a, and a bit of elastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's working on the Stairmaster. And Deborah Ring is allowed to just raid the fridge and eat things. And clearly, you know, that's how they, it's the same that Michael Keaton wasn't allowed to eat anything, because that would be slovenly. But Gina Davis was allowed to, because that's just charming. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Hugh, you have thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> I had His Girl Friday. <laughs> well, yours was the better thing. I just had, I, I was going around the houses with it. Uh, I'll tell you something else actually with, with the things they do and this is something that's um, bled through into modern um, not quite romantic comedies but modern um, films with the female lead is uh, Gina Davis was um, or Julia her character was portrayed as being quite clumsy she was constantly falling yeah, over things was, she? Into... yeah losing and... things leaving things falling over tripping up yeah, and it's the thing they do often now is when you have the, the the female character who's very attractive, very poised, very successful, they'll make her clumsy as any kind of like ne- negative way just to level it out because they can't think of any other way to humanize the character. Because it happens, I think, in um, what happened in uh, Twilight, I think that, that character, Bella Swan, you know, yeah, even though she's, yeah. she's beloved yeah, yeah, by yeah, yeah. vampires and werewolves and she's, you know, she's the center of everything, she's quite clumsy. And it's like, <laughs> she kind of, look, it's not a perfect character. She falls over a bit. <laughs> she's got really bad. Yeah. Inner ear balance. Yeah, I think that doesn't really level out someone who is, you know, the beloved of all the immortal creatures of Earth. It's like, I'd take that. <laughs> yeah, I would as well. But yeah, it was an interesting character kink they gave her, thinking, well, this will solve it, won't it? She's, you know, yeah. she knows like Gina Davis. She can fix engines. She can write speeches. She's, you know, she's intelligent. She's passionate. She's a bit clumsy as well. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's not like she murdered someone, is it? But yeah. So I think we've 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 uh, we've spoken all we do about speechless. Shall we take a break and then give it its reviews, and then we find out what we're watching next month? James's pick, always a wild card. Always a wild card indeed. <laughs> Welcome back, dear listener. It is um, everyone's favourite part of the show. That's right, it's nearly the end. But before we get to the end, and of course I reveal what July's film will be, we need to give the scores and the doors for Speechless. So, given that it was Hugh's choice, uh, tradition befits that, that Hugh goes first. Hugh, give us the scores for Speechless. The scores for Speechless. Um... This is an interesting one because normally I will I will hack a film apart if the structure is bad and we discussed the structure is not good in this. But do you know what? On the basis of its again its leads and the basis of just the way I responded to it, I enjoyed it so much more than I thought. I think it's just barely, but I'm going to give it three floating crombie heads out of five. Very good. Yes, because you're you are you are all plot, aren't you? I'm all plot and structure. You are, this you this, like this, this film structure. is far from that. Yeah. In fact, you, you know you can give or take character 
or anything else. Plot. Yeah, gets me. Plot's plot. where it's at. Um, and as, as you, I'd say about uh, the visual language, which I imagine the balloons aren't going to wear well. <laughs> yeah the balloons that yeah that was weird um, it was so weird you know, as soon as it happened i thought james is going to find this weird what have i recommended <laughs> well i would say throughout the film and as i go into my score throughout the film i thought this is a weird film i can't quite get a handle on this i i veered from this is bloody awful to oh that was quite funny <laughs> yeah i like that cool come on get together yeah that's it kiss that's it um so uh, i don't know Look, this is this is not a good film, but I can't deny that I watched the film with a bit of a smile on my face, a chuckle every now and again, a hearty laugh every now and again. And at the end, I thought, well, you know, I quite enjoyed that. It does have the chemistry of the leads to help. Um, and, you know, anything with anything with Michael Keaton and Gina Davis isn't going to be awful, is it? Um, although apart from Cutthroat Island, um, <laughs> perhaps, yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it three disembodied crombie heads as well. And you know what? I am, I am as surprised as anyone at that um, because this, this is an awful film, but you know what? You, you'll be surprised if you watch it. Yeah. I would say, why not watch it? Give it a chance. Should you yeah. ever find it? If you ever can yeah. find it, watch yeah. it. Cause you'll never find it again. If you want to spend, yeah, spend 40 pounds on it. <laughs> Go on. Know, find 40 of your friends to spend a pound each uh, on it and pass okay, it around. A speech this evening and they'll all be left speechless at the end. I think it's worth a pound, and I think you could find 39 other people who would enjoy this film. This film is worth a pound. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What if love was on the ballot? This film is worth one pound. Wow. I'm, High I'm praise. Sure, sure their 30 million dollar budget is worth it. Yeah, we need to love. get 30 million people to provide us with a pound. That was, that was 1994 money. You'd like to have to find like, you know, 100 million people now to give them a pound. At least. I'm still shocked um, at the... Um, the fifty million dollars it cost to produce Santa Claus, no Santa Claus the movie. They had real reindeer. Yeah, but you know, in 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 two thousand and when did we start? In two thousand and seventeen, money that was one hundred and forty-five million dollars. I mean, what? They were eight reindeer. Yeah, I mean, they were expensive. I suppose they did have Burgess Meredith as well, didn't they? And Dudley Moore. Yeah, He's not... he was. He wouldn't. He would have been. You know. Dudley, Dudley Moore, Dudley Dudley Moore well. was their equivalent of when they got Gene Hackman in to do Superman and Jack Nicholson do Batman. <laughs> it was the same team. It was like, let's get a really quality actor in to yeah. play the little elf. Yeah, that's true. And have him all... phone it in. Yeah, Bart Marlon Brando in The Freshman. Absolutely. So, uh, oh, Marlon Brando in Superman too. But yes, <laughs> now they got Indeed. Dudley Moore and John Lithgow and Burgess Meredith. They were just throwing the talent at the screen. But um, <laughs> they were, weren't they? Crikey. Anyone can remember now. 42 episodes back to our, to our debut episode. <laughs> I do recommend you watch it, preferably in December. <laughs> yeah, don't watch it in January. Oh, good grief. Don't. <laughs> but but I've, never we, felt, we... I've never felt closer to slitting my wrists as <laughs> I did when I heard what we were going to watch in January. You know, you simply... You, 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 you agreed, you agreed me, and sight and unseen. You said you sent me that email to say, well, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Why don't we start with Santa Claus the movie? <laughs> y- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what have you done with those razor blades, Emma? <laughs> right, anyway. No more dilly and dallying. We need to hear what we're watching. Um, speaking of being driven to utter despair, I'd like to know what, what July holds in store for me. Right. Are you ready? I'm ready. So for July's Weekend at Crombies, we will be watching 
White dog. White dog. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot wait. <laughs> Literally. I'm not even going to go to the internet. Can you give me any clue what white dog is? What well, white dog? Well, it's a film. A film. Good. Uh, good start. You may have watched documentaries before now. <laughs> 1982. Uh, okay. A Samuel Fuller film. Um, let's leave it. It's probably best. It's, you know, it's watched without knowledge. Okay. Okay. It's always a, a good. It was always yeah. promising. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a. I'll give you a, a you very. Tell brief, me who's in it. Um, not many people I've heard of, but um, I will. I'll give you a very brief rundown post recording not so, so we don't spoil the surprise for our listener Excellent. white dog well there we are if if that won't get you flooding back in july to listen to us <laughs> talking about white dog and frankly if you came to see speech this you'll you'll stick around for white dog yeah <laughs> you know, don't you have are. to go at me for white dog <laughs> <laughs> until then so if, there no, we go. no i'm sorry don't <laughs> ever go at me for white dog speechless news is santa claus the movie in january and then, I suppose for you, you could say "Dancer in the Dark." I could say "Dancer in the Dark" three times over, and I'd still be winning. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> but notwithstanding this, uh, this bickering, much, much I don't know where this is going. <laughs> no, notwithstanding, so long we're like a married couple now. <laughs> That's where I was going with it. I didn't want to end that thought. <laughs> oh, but. Before we have to retire to our jars of marshmallow paste and oh, carrots. You made that we, sound even worse. Marshmallow, it wasn't marshmallow paste. It was marshmallow cream. Uh, but it was in a big mayonnaise jar. Oh, I, and what is that? Americans are just weird. Let's, let's not antagonise our American audience. No, that's a fair point. <laughs> 50% of this don't believe that Americans are just weird. But, as we said, we're, let's, 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 I can see the exit sign. We're so close. Yes, we <laughs> let's crawl on our hands and knees as the smoke fills the room and we can see the exit sign. <laughs> it will be too late. They? They'll find our bodies the next morning so close to the door. would just be a jar and there'll be a hand stretched out. <laughs> we didn't make it. None of this happened in speechless, by the way. <laughs> we wish you all a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at Crombies. You're much better at the kind of the witty quip. I think I can't think of witty quips. If you were introducing that, you'd say you'd say something like, "Okay, if if it was a racing film, it'd be like hold on to your." horses but even it'd be better than that even hold on to your horses <laughs> put the pedal to the metal because tonight what kind of horse it, is this i don't know i don't know i don't know what pedal horse. Your horses. Horses. Yeah, even even with a really easy metaphor i can't do it